Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. What's going on, everybody? Josh here. Before we get you ready for another edition of the Four Corners podcast, here this week's ad from DraftKings. DraftKings Sportsbook is not only my favorite sportsbook, but also America's top-rated sportsbook. I love using DraftKings Sportsbook. It is easy to navigate, has plenty of instructions for new bettors like myself, and nearly limitless ways to get in on all the action. My friends and family have been loving DraftKings Sportsbook, and I know you will too. Listen to this great offer. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code TBPN when you sign up to turn $1 into $100 in free credits. Bet on the basketball team of your choice to win their next game, and if they do, you will claim $100 in free credits. That's promo code TBPN for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. You must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Wagers are paid out in sight. Credits restrictions do apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. The 13th edition of the Four Corners Podcast starts right now. This is Carolina Basketball. Black holding high, goes to Darty. Darty in the double team, gives it back to Black with 20 seconds left to play. Goes back to Michael Jordan, jumper from out on the left, good! Michigan out of timeout. And Weber, front court, Carolina thought he traveled with it. Weber, front court, Carolina with foul. He takes a timeout, they're out of timeout. Technical foul, technical foul on Michigan. Now gets it away to Donald Williams, down the side to Stackhouse. Stackhouse streaking in on Park, rebound oh. the is good, and he gets fouled by Park. Oh my goodness, what a dunk. Brown gets it into Williams. Here comes Williams front court. Williams on the drive. Gets it back out to head. Long outside shot. Short rebound. It's over. Carolina has won the national championship. Felton ready on his second attempt. That one is no good. A battle for it. Loose ball. Recovered Marvin. He scores. 72 and how about them Tar Heels they are the national champion Matthews off the mark and this year the confetti is going to fall for North Carolina they're not going to be denied this time from heeltoughblog.com this is the four corners podcast featuring your host Josh Marlowe Hello and welcome to another edition of the Four Corners Podcast. We are powered by Carolina Electrical Services. Josh and Anthony back with you. we got a lot of recruiting to talk. And Carolina did release their non-conference schedule for the upcoming 2021-22 basketball season. But we start with the pod thought of the day. And today we go back to former head coach of the Tar Heels and Hall of Famer Dean Smith. And this is a great one, guys. If you make every game a life-and-death proposition, you're going to have problems. For one thing, you'll be dead a lot. Ooh, that's that's a uh, – that one makes you think. That makes you think. I need one about sleep deprivation if they lose because I've struggled with that since the sixth grade. Uh, Roy's got to have that one somewhere. I'm 24 years old. Um, 
and I still don't sleep after certain losses when they lose. Well, that may also be due to your sleep apnea. In other news, if you are looking to sponsor the Four Corners podcast for a sleep apnea company, it would be greatly welcome because, uh, yeah, either one of us probably are to the point where we may or may not die in our sleep one day from sleep apnea. That is true. Um, but I was going through the other day, wanted to get back to these, but haven't used them in, a, in a quite a bit. And I thought that was a good one to go to. That way we keep the – We got to get a Bill Guthridge in here. Somewhere. Yeah, I got to find a good one from him. Um, but I thought that was a good thing to keep everything in perspective that, remember, this is just a game and this is just for fun, even though we treat it, and I know I'm the worst at it, like life and death. Do, do you think that Roy Williams used this quote often? I feel like this wasn't one in the heavy rotation right. for Roy. Um, I've I've got a good one from him in my back pocket when like maybe we're having you know we lose a couple of games. I need to lighten the mood on the podcast. I've got a great one that I'm gonna. Oh, go there to. we go, man. There, um, there we go, baby. There we go. Say, got him saved up. Oh, we right. got. Yeah, I do. I did say we got a lot of recruiting to get to, and it's not really a lot. Just a major. Uh, recruitment to talk about, and we teased the last time we were with you when we landed Dawson Garcia, who just arrived on campus as of Monday of this week, that Carolina was going to potentially land five-star big man Jalen Washington. They got that guy on Friday. It was pretty much confirmed early last week he was committing to Carolina. Just didn't know when, Um, but that time did come on Friday, and it's a big commitment for a lot of different reasons. He's the first five-star to commit to Hubert Davis, Um, so Hubert Davis in this staff continue to answer their questions about their ability or the presumed thought of the inability to recruit. Um, he's joining a class that as of right now, even though it's only July 13th day of recording, they, right now they've cut the number one recruiting class for the 2022 recruiting cycle. Um, Not too bad for a guy that couldn't recruit. Right. Um, I got some good notes on here. He becomes the fourth five-star big man from Indiana to join Carolina following Eric Montross, Sean May, and Tyler Zeller. Without looking at the rundown, what all? What one thing that come to all three of those guys had? Okay, so I saw this tweet from Brian Ives, who oh. does a fantastic job and needs to be a guest on this podcast yes. at some point or another. Actually, both podcasts. Uh, one, uh, they have both, all three won national champions. Yep. And two, they have all three been All-Americans. May even be first-team All-Americans, possibly. Right. So, uh yeah, if you're one of those people that looks into those types of stats and, and, and tries to get a prediction on the future, you're probably feeling pretty good about this one. Yes, and uh, as you should indeed, and it's why it was no surprise that Sean May was the lead recruiter for Washington. He knows the Indiana, he knows the Indiana background, knows how hard it is to lose the Hoosier State and come here uh, to Carolina. Um, I remember when Carolina went back and played at Indiana, it was one of the most emotional games of Roy Williams' coaching career, especially for Sean May, because um, it's not easy to leave, that, to leave that basketball craze state for another one like we are here in North Carolina. Washington is the number 21 overall player in the 2022 class, according to or 24-7 sports composite, while being the number four center and the number one player from the state of Indiana. Um, last year in high school, he averaged 12.8 points, 5.8 rebounds. Those are kind of low numbers, but as we've mentioned, with basketball, your high school season isn't as important as the AAU circuit. He has been excellent on the playing AAU ball. He's priming himself for a monster senior season. Here's a quote from Brian Snow, a breakdown of Brian Snow of his play. He's a, a scout for 24-7 sports. 24-7 sports. He says, Washington has ideal combination of size, 
length, skill, and athleticism at the forward position. Has a huge wingspan and great hands. A new age power forward with tremendous upside. Can make shots from three. Score down low, create off the dribble. A do-it-all player. A tremendous rebounder and someone who would be able to defend all over the court. He has to continue to get stronger and consistent with his motor, but the physical tools and skills are there for him to be an elite prospect. A lot of room for Washington to grow, but his upside leads you to believe he's going to be a big-time player in Carolina. Blue. Yeah, I mean, look, the only thing that would concern me at all about that evaluation is the motor. The motor. That's that's something that, you know, you just you kind of have or you don't, but it's also something that I think at times you can sort of bring out in a guy because – I think sometimes, especially in some of their high school games, guys definitely get a little lackadaisical because you're playing a team that you could beat by yourself if you honestly wanted to. Uh, and he probably felt like that at times. But um, I've seen you know, some people that have said that he's got the upside to be a guy that could turn into someone like Anthony Davis. That's something that you should be unbelievably excited about if you are a Tario fan. Now, he's a little bit smaller than Anthony Davis, and I don't think unless all of a sudden he hits this huge growth spurt, he's going to be 6'11", 7 foot. I don't see that happening. Um, but he is your more modern big man, which is what Carolina is looking at. And, you know, one of the things from watching him play that was really impressive is – there is a lot to like about him with the ball in his hands when it comes to driving the basket. And I think that that's one of the aspects of the big men that we haven't really talked a whole lot about. We've talked about the guys that can space the floor in terms of being the outside shooters, but we haven't really talked about these guys that can get the ball in their hands at 6'9", 6'10", and drive the basket. Look at the last two additions for this Tar Heel team. One that's going to be there this year, and then Jalen Washington, who will be there starting next year. Dawson Garcia is the same way. They can put the ball on the floor and drive the basket. And you have got to be able to do that because there are plenty of other guys around the country that are going to be able to do that. You're going to see one of those guys this year when we play Duke. Paolo Benchero can do that. This is one of those guys that will be able to counteract that. And as you mentioned, I mean, the ceiling is unlimited for this guy. Ceiling is the roof. As I, I mean, it, it's 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 unbelievable. Um, I I I love the the aspect that he can put the ball on the floor. I don't want to get lost in that being our offense though, with our big men. No, but it's something that you want to have in your big men because how many times last year did you have big men that got the ball up top and had no business having the ball up top? They couldn't do anything with it. They had to get rid of the ball because De'Ron Sharp couldn't drive the basket. Armando Baycott can't drive the basket. Dawson Garcia and Jalen Washington, if you need them to drive the basket and at times if they're matched up in a good matchup, they can drive the lane. What you want, I don't want to get in a situation, though, where Garcia, Jalen Washington says, well, I know I can take this guy off the dribble. I'm not going to run hard down the court and get early position. Of course not. But but that happens with these guys that, well, I can get the ball and take him to the rack. You're a big man. There aren't many big men with guard-like handles. If it gets crowded in there, you're going to turn the thing over. Yeah, I mean, look, I think they're definitely going to be better with the basketball than some of the guys from recent years. What you're looking for, and again, getting to this level is going to be tough, but we've seen what you're looking for with the Milwaukee Bucks. 
you're looking for a guy where if he gets the right matchup, like we've seen with Giannis, he can put the ball on the floor and drive past guys. You don't even have to go to the NBA level. You look at what Gonzaga can do with Corey Kispert, who's going to the NBA, Drew Timmy, who's Mr. Mr. Pringle, as I call him. (laughs) Those guys, um, Baylor, um, Mark Vidal, guys that could put the ball on the floor and create plays – but that is a that is not the whole, you know. That's not their whole game. They still get down the floor, get early position, and do other things. That's that's my only thing is that I don't want it to become where well our guys stand at the three point line and we take guys off the bounce. I want that to be an aspect of their game, right? But I don't want our offense to be built around and I don't think our big will. guys taking guys off the bounce. Yeah, and I don't think it will. I, I think first of all, Carolina's got way too much in the backcourt for that to become what, what ends up happening. They've they've got a lot of talent back there. It'd be different if your backcourt was really struggling, you weren't recruiting in the backcourt, you weren't bringing in the transfers that you needed to, whatever, and your your front-line guys were clearly your best drivers on the team. They're, they, they can drive the basketball just like this season. Darcy Garcia can drive the basketball. I If I'm having a guy that's putting the ball on the floor and getting to the hoop, uh, I would much rather have that be Caleb Lovett or R.J. Davis. So They're going to be better at doing that than a big man. But to have that option is something that Carolina hasn't had since Hansborough. Like, when was the last time we had a, a traditional uh, a big guy that we could say, put the ball on the floor, and if you have to create for yourself, you could maybe create some buckets. I mean, John Henson could because he was so long, but he was better getting the ball on the block, turning around and shooting it. You know, I it's going to be – this is why I think we're so intrigued to see how this all comes together under Hubert Davis. You mentioned his size. He is 6'9". I put that in the article that that is, I mean, 6'9", 10, 15 years ago, was still really tall at the superposition. Today – you're small. You're under. You're way uh, undersized. And as I've mentioned, you, that's why when we when we brought in Garcia, just from a size factor, that was important because he's now besides Armando Baycott, your tallest player on your team at six eleven. I think Washington's the best thing he'll do for Carolina immediately when he joins the team in twenty twenty two. Is I think his length and his wingspan. I think he will add Carolina add to Carolina's force on the defensive end of the court. And I've said. All offseason long, I think Carolina is going to be much more bought in, committed, and a much more, much more better overall individual and team to, uh, on the defensive end of the court. Well, I mean, they got to be uh, because I mean, there still are are some uncertainties about this team, especially early on. This team's got to buy in defensively, um, but I, I think you know we've seen it over the last couple of years. That's got to be an aspect to your game in order to win championships. You, you can't just go out there and say we're going to come out here score hundred a game and blow everybody away. That's just not going to happen, uh, and I don't think that's that's what's going to happen. Uh, I, I think you know that's that's one area he can help. I, I think he's going to be a, a guy that can help him on the glass. Yeah. I mean, the fact that Brian Snow puts tremendous rebounder, you know, from a talent evaluation standpoint, most of these guys that evaluate these high school recruits, they see so many of them. They are they are truthful in what they say. If he didn't think he was a tremendous he wouldn't rebounder, he wouldn't say that. And another thing I've said all year so, long, as we enter this change of philosophy, if you can't rebound, you're not going to win. And so I think adding that, aspect into this team into really this class it was really important for Hubert Davis um, right and, you know I mentioned the class he joins Seth Trimble who's 
before Washington, the headliner on the Did slab. you see his dunk? That yes. was, oh, yeah. man. He is having a fantastic summer circuit. He's got a uh, – talk about upside, yeah. man. Oh, my he's, God. He's a high riser, as uh, Dick Vitale would say. And he joins Will Shaver and gives Carolina the number one recruiting class. But I, you have to wonder if we're done adding front court players – in terms of recruiting them this year, because you look at Carolina's roster right now, you got Brady Manick. He's using a super senior season because of COVID. He's one and done. You bring back Baycott. You add in the, the transfer of Garcia, but both of those guys just went through the NBA draft process to some degree. Yep, they weren't at the, they weren't at the combine, but they both had pro basketball aspirations. So I wonder, do we look to add another front court player in the recruiting cycle, or do we wait till the end of the season and go to the transfer portal? So. This conversation is one that I have a lot when it comes to the football recruiting side of things. It really depends on who the guy is. If it's a guy that you, you feel got like – Trout in the recruiting cycle right now who's going to be a high-end four-star, potential five-star prospect. So him I would take. I think that's where you've got to get to. Do you feel like this is a guy that if you have to expand your recruiting class and find a scholarship for, you would be willing to do that? For a guy like Isaac Trout, I'd be willing to do that. For a guy like... This takes them pretty much out of the running in a lot of people's opinion for in-state Deontay Green, who we thought at the beginning of the recruiting cycle was a must-get for Hubert Davis. Yeah, but I feel like he was one of those guys that I think he was supposed... Was he the guy that was supposed to visit? Push his visit back? He's coming in August. That was one that I felt at that moment you kind of got the sense that either Carolina had cooled on him or maybe not even cooled on him, become higher on somebody else. I think that Trout is probably one that you would take. If you're still interested in green, that's probably another guy that would be in that would-take category, especially with him being an in-state guy. Um but I think, and, and outside of that, I don't really think they have other targets. But I think the point that you bring up is there is so much uncertainty when it comes to that front court in the future. Yeah, because like right now, I think they've got enough to compete to win the ACC and make right. a run in the Final Four. No doubt. But that's this year. Part of running a program is projecting down the line, in my opinion. Especially now yeah. with everything that goes into it not only the fact that you've got the NBA draft now you've got the transfer portal aspect that's always going to be there that's why I think for him and I, and I think his philosophy will be we'll get the one or two guys that we want in recruiting and we'll get the one or two guys that we need in the portal because the portal's not going to go away Right. Every year you're gonna have to not only re recruit your own roster, but re but you'll be recruiting, you know, the guys you played against and all that sort of thing. I think you'll be able to add the missing pieces like a Dawson Garcia, like a Justin McCoy or a Brady Manick through the transfer portal because they're not going to risk jeopardizing this class. Well, that's they're- another interesting conversation there is when you bring in the transfer portal. And Mac Brown's talking about this on the football side of things when it's come to his recruiting classes. You almost want to leave spots open because you know there may be guys that come open that you want. So at that point, I think that's another element that you really got to think of. I, I honestly, rethinking it, I would say Trout you'd probably take, and I don't know about Green, because if, if you're leaving a spot open for a transfer, possibly in that front court, 
I don't know. I, that's that's a tough one. The thing about the transfer portal is you're adding a guy that, for the majority, or, or there's a greater chance he's a proven college player. Like Justin McCoy isn't a proven college player, but you you could see that why they went after him. He was also added as a depth piece. Let's right. not, let's be honest with ourselves. He's not coming in and, and starting immediately. Not like Garcia or Manic. We hope not. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, you know, but I, I, that's how I think this will go. I think. You know, if Trout is still interested, they'll heavily recruit him. Deontay Green has the has the potential to be a multi year player. That's the upside in bringing him in. But I do think for the for this class, there's one guy left they want to add, and that's the one guy they've been wanting to get his commit all year along or all no recruiting doubt. along, and that's Jaden Bradley. There's a very good chance when you're bringing in, you already pretty much you flip Seth Trimble. You've got a five star on Jalen Washington. That's going to speak volumes to Jaden Bradley in terms of wanting to come play. He is from the Cannon School, of course. Now down at IMG Academy, if Carolina lands him, he won't be like you know he won't be the highest rated recruiter, or whatever. But what would his recruitment mean for Hubert Davis and the program as we're transitioning from Roy Williams to? I mean, look, it'd be a pretty big one, especially because he was the guy that was the lead recruiter for him. He's been on him for a while. Um, And I I think the biggest thing that some people worried about was with Hubert becoming head coach, would some of his focus on the recruiting trail shift to some of the other guys on the staff? It doesn't seem like that's the case. It seems like he's extremely involved in recruiting as we expected from a young coach. Uh, and yeah, I, I think it would be huge. I think at that point, I mean, maybe you could have one of these other classes that jumps up there and overtakes it, but it'd have to be somebody with a really big class. That's two five stars, uh, a guy in Seth Trimble that at this point is going to be probably a high end four star. And Shaver, who we, I mean, we don't really know, he could end up probably sneaking in as a four star yeah. as well. Uh, that's. That's a legitimate class, and especially for the first class for Hubert Davis. I think that's where, when you talk about what would this mean, look, you know, landing a number one recruiting class is always great, especially in the era that we've been in with recruiting where Duke and Kentucky have dominated. That would still, that would be huge any year for Carolina. To do it in Hubert Davis's first year as head coach, I think that would make a statement to the rest of the country because it felt like a lot of people for a couple of weeks there, and that's how long it lasted, they really thought, oh, you know, Carolina's losing Roy, Duke's losing Kay. Man, there's an opening here on the recruiting trail. Yeah, not so fast. I I don't think so. I've always said it since I got into college basketball. The ACC will be ran by those two schools on Tobacco Road. That's, of course, us and Duke. Caroline's already proven that that's not going to change with the retirement of Roy Williams. Duke will have to wait and see once Coach K doesn't eventually go to his retirement home. But you're right. I do think that it would just establish Hubert Davis and really this staff. There's right. so many questions about this staff as their ability to recruit. I think it would say. I think it would be like, look, hush. We know what we're doing, but it's kind of. I've been kind of surprised because when he got hired, you saw the press conference and you heard his comments. I got the notion we were going back to our old ways of recruiting. We're recruiting multi-year guys, and if we land these one-and-done potential players, that's great. But he's proven he can get both, and he wants to get both. And I think when you add in the transfer portal, that's how you compete now in college basketball. That's how you compete to win ACC titles and and make Final Fours. Well, what the, what this also has done by them landing Washington, I, I'm going to be honest with you, before they landed Washington and before – 
Carolina looked like they were going to end up landing him. Uh, you know, Jaden Bradley, to me, was seen as a must-get. I'm going to be honest with you, if they didn't get him, depending on what happens in the backcourt, which, I, I mean, maybe you're with me on this, maybe you're not. I don't think R.J. Davis is going to the NBA after this season. I don't think anyone in that backcourt will be NBA ready at the end of the year. I think the only guy that has a chance is Caleb Love. He'll have the chance because you would imagine with the open floor and a different and a more NBA style of play, he will be ready. But if if he doesn't if he doesn't improve his shot from behind the three point line and his mid range game, he's not he's not an NBA player yet. And he, but see the point that I want to make here is more than likely you would at least have the veteran presence in R.J. Davis, where if you need to use him at point guard, that's not something that you're going to be overly concerned about. Remember that a guy that's almost forgotten about, DeMarco Dunn is is here. He's going to be a part of this roster this year. Uh, he's yep. another guy that's a combo guard. He can play either on ball or off ball. You're going to have Anthony Harris in that backcourt. Anthony Harris is still going to be there. So it's gotten to the point now, with the fact that you've got your headliner, your five-star in Washington. You've got the upside of Trimble who would come in as well. I don't think it's it's a must-get because, I mean, you've got all that and you've got, <laughs> I mean, probably the biggest recruit that I can remember in a while in the state of North Carolina in Robert Dillingham yeah. behind him. Uh, I mean, look, I think it would be great to get him. It's it's a luxury if you get him. But I think with what the staff has done, you've now gotten to the point where you can say to yourself, look, we get him, great. If we don't get him, we're still comfortable with what we've got. And to be in that spot as quickly as you are, uh, it's just, I mean, it, That's a great it's amazing. It's amazing that you've gotten there in a month from when you got Trimble to where we sit today, yeah. it's completely changed how you look at Jaden Bradley's recruitment. Right. Um, it's just It's been a night and day terms of feeling from where we sat and, and May. Heck, when we started, when we entered June, there was a lot of uneasy around Carolina basketball from the fans, you know, in the Facebook groups and on social media, where now you look at the team that you have in front of you, you've got a the legitimate second week in the NCAA tournament team. This team's got national title expectations yeah. for some teams. Um, <laughs> for some people, excuse me. And so it's 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 just a really good feeling after so much uncertainty at the retirement of Roy Williams. And as I, as I mentioned earlier, we do have scheduling news, and that is that the 2021 non-conference schedule has been fully released. Um, Carolina didn't announce the other games that they added to their schedule. They just waited until they, of course, released their full schedule. And they got some. They got some tough games, and I've gotten some. I'm not gonna say, you know, negative comments, but I mentioned when I released the article, this schedule isn't as daunting as it has been in years past. Even though they play UCLA, they will play Virginia. They got Purdue, and they got either Villanova or Tennessee. But this schedule is more navigatable for Carolina. The Hubert Davis era will officially open up on November 9th against Loyola of Maryland. No ACC game to start the Hubert Davis era. I think that is a big plus. Thank God. And a and the smart decision. I have no problem with us playing ACC games before you get to January. I think you you know there's nothing when you with, with playing 20 league games, you want to sprinkle them out. I don't think you need to start the game that. Or I don't think you need to start the season that way, especially when you're. You know, introducing a new coach, a new system, and all that. But that'll be the first time we'll see Carolina in action. We'll be against, uh, we'll be against Loyola. Um, 
They have the one, only one true road game on the schedule. They go to the College of Charleston. The only thing to note about that, the last time Carolina went to Charleston in 2010, a then top 10 team in the Tar Heels did get upset by Bobby Crimmins' squad. Um, that was the night that I believe I officially learned and, and accepted hating Larry Drew II because he committed so many turnovers I lost count. He's given you so many opportunities to hate him for yeah. sure. Um, by the way, also notable in that game, take note of their head coach. Pat Kelsey made yeah. the move from Win- from Winthrop. Good good coach right yeah, there. He, is a, he did a fantastic job at Winthrop. The fact that he took a step up to the College of Charleston is more of a slap in the face to the business of college basketball coaching because yeah. that guy that guy was a – he was West Miller before West Miller – that went. How did that guy not get a bigger job, dude? Yeah, like seriously, he, man. He deserves a power five. He, he deserves the chance to no run doubt a power five um, school. But as I mentioned, you will play. We will play Purdue, UCLA, and Michigan. All three of those teams. and Tennessee or Villanova. Yeah, all three of those teams that you we we for sure will play will be preseason top 10 teams. And as then I mentioned, you've got Nova and you got Tennessee. Nova will be a trendy pick to be um, – they'll be the favorite to win the Big East, and they'll be a trendy pick to win the national championship. Data – you know, there was some site that Inside Carolina used compiling all, this, all these metrics and stuff. Nova, Purdue, UCLA, and Michigan, all preseason top 10 teams. Now – that's that's using their data and the metrics. Ugh. That's not how it's going to be. Um, now, there's a very good chance it could be. And Tennessee will also be nationally ranked. But the thing is, is – Yeah, that, I'd rather see Tennessee, though, than Villanova, if I'm being very honest with myself. The here. reason why I said it's not as daunting, Purdue, UCLA, and Nova, and Tennessee are neutral site games. You're not going to some of these places. Right, right. And you get Michigan at home. If you're going to Ann Arbor – Okay. This oh, is, yeah, that'd this be going to be a daunting schedule. Yeah, but. can we play somebody else, though? I know we said this on the last edition of the podcast. I- I'm asking again. ACC Big Ten Challenge uh, people, can-, can we play somebody well, else? Please, God. Because we're going to play them again in this Jordan Brand Classic. Yet again. I don't really mind oh, it because I God. think there's enough college basketball people that remember that 93 title game and what it meant to the sport at the time. There's still animosity between Michigan fans from what happened, and there's still animosity from Carolina fans. Wait a second. Time out. Stop. There we go. You're, uh, you're telling me there's animosity. Um, <laughs> but this is a this is a schedule where if Carolina goes ten and two, you're not going to look. They're not going to go twelve and zero. But this is a ten and two schedule. And as I stress, when we talked about it, when they got the game against Michigan added. They're not. We're not ready to go play a schedule where eight and four, seven and five is a possibility. You don't want to do that in your first year when you're trying to instill confidence. You're not going to instill confidence in these players if you're losing ball games against top ten, top fifteen teams. So you need to play Loyola. You need to play Elon. That game got rescheduled after last year's cancellation to COVID. You need to go to. But the College of Charleston will be a great environment. That place will be fully packed because North Carolina's in town. So, and while it's only one true road game, you got the neutral site games against your top, you know, against elite competition. I love this schedule for Carolina to build confidence, and I still think it gets them ready for the ACC. 
Yeah, no, I, I, I think it's, uh, I mean, it's definitely still a really strong schedule. Anyone that thinks differently, uh, I, I mean, look, this, this team, they are never going to play an easy schedule. But, I mean, you're talking about, like you said, I mean, Brown's on the schedule, as we talked about, Furman on the schedule, App State. App Again, State I mean, look, App State, tournament they did. But that's also a game that you would go in saying to yourself, we should win this game. But we're still going to be able to sort of test ourselves a little bit. But that's the thing that I like. You don't see these other games outside of here where, you know, in years past, we're going to schedule a Gonzaga at home. Well, yeah, I mean, you can't do that this year. You need to have some area where your team can learn about you as a coach. And, And, I mean, look, you've got to be able to learn about yourself as a coach and figure out some of the intricacies, because it's not going to be all that easy. Hey, he's he's doing a great job right now. He is killing it on the recruiting trail. He's doing everything that he has to do off the court. But when you get on the court, it is there are going to be moments where you are going to mess up. You are going to make you know decisions that you probably shouldn't have. You need these games where you can learn. That's what I think is is good about this schedule setup. I can't speak for Hubert Davis, but I I do think. He wants to know his rotation when they open up ACC play. I don't think we we want to still be playing ACC games and still figuring out well, unless who, you who just got that much depth. Unless, yeah. <laughs> I mean, but and look, and, and I understand why Roy Williams did it, and the results were proven: three national titles, nine hundred four wins or nine hundred three wins, and all that. But I think for Hubert Davis and for the staff, when you open ACC play, you want to know who your top eight, nine or eight, eight or nine guys are, and this schedule will allow you to do that. Yeah, I, I'm going to be honest with you. I think probably by the time they get to that UCLA game, you'll probably have a really good idea. Yeah. Um, I think that Michigan game will kind of show you, especially after you play in the Hall of Fame tip-off classic, because yep. that's that's going to be a really tough classic. Here's the thing, though. It would not shock me if they beat Purdue. Purdue's a good no. team. Would not shock me if they won that game. But, I, I mean, see, like you mentioned, I mean, I think that game, Michigan, very, very winnable. Depending on who you face, I mean, I'm going to be honest with you. If you get Villanova, I think you're in a lot of trouble there in, in that in that final. And I, 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 with what they bring back, I think UCLA is going to be really, really good again this year. Yep. But those are good teams, though, to figure out. Right, where you are on both ends of the court because they run crisp offense, and you, especially that UCLA team and really Purdue, we're gonna find out how physical Carolina can be with this new style of play. Oh, Purdue, man, they're they're gonna test the inside. And we're we're gonna see how some of these guys, they, they, Armando Baycott, that that's gonna be a big game for and him. If, and if you can't rebound in those games, you're, you're not gonna win. win. You're definitely gonna lose those. And ones. that yep. will be a prelude to the ACC season, and then of course. The NCAA tournament season. One thing I love about the schedule more than anything, you don't play Texas, and because the whole can, can we can we make that a requirement that we never play them ever again? Yeah, Please, I don't a, care if it's only a Roy Williams thing. Maybe don't care. They're not risking be a preseason it. top fifteen team. If they get Kevin O'Banner, they'll be a preseason top ten team most likely. Jesus. The Jeez. Hall of Fame tip off classic is the weekend before Thanksgiving. That means that. There's no Thanksgiving tournament this year for Carolina, which also means 
only the Dallas Cowboys can ruin my favorite holiday because we won't be playing on Thanksgiving Day. Beautiful. A few years ago, we played Michigan on Thanksgiving Day, and they absolutely destroyed us, and I was miserable. Who the, Cow- Ca- who, who the Cowboys got this year? We play the Raiders on Thanksgiving. So oh, that that's should, a loss. That should be a win. <laughs> that's a loss. Um, but – there's our look at the schedule. We'll go a little bit more in depth whenever we get the ACC schedule. Right now it's July 13th. We didn't get the ACC schedule last year until the middle end of August. I'm really hoping that's not how it goes. So we do got a little bit of ways to go before we get the full slate for Hubert Davis's first season as head coach. Well, that's going to wrap up. This edition of the podcast, we're going to get you guys on the website, HeelToughBlog.com, where we've had you covered head-to-toe with Jalen Washington's commitment. I broke down the schedule a little bit more in-depth on there as well. So we've got all we got all the basketball news, as but also it is July. Fall camp for football is less than three weeks away as of now. Anthony's done a fantastic job getting you ready with the quarterbacks and the running backs. I've done a great job reading those articles. We've really enjoyed the uh, – the um, what's the word I'm looking for here? The support those articles have gotten. We'll be getting you ready with the wide receivers, the offensive line before we change over to the defensive line. As we're getting tight you ready, ends, tight ends and too. tight ends. As we're getting you guys ready for a what's supposed to be an exciting and fun season for Carolina po- football. So go to the website heeltoughblog.com. And last, we wanted to encourage you guys to rate, review, but ultimately subscribe to the podcast. You can find us on every major podcasting platform. We are on Megaphone now, so Megaphone, Spreaker, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spotify, TuneIn, Google Podcasts. Give us a like, review me as the host, review Anthony as the host. That, that will allow people who haven't found the Four Corners podcast to find us and get all this great Carolina basketball coverage. We want you guys to subscribe. That way you get every podcast right there in your podcast library. Right now we're doing about one episode a week, but once the season gets back and kicked up, we will be doing multiple episodes during the basketball season. Well, that's going to wrap up this edition of the podcast. I want to thank Anthony for hosting. I want to thank you guys for listening. And as always, go Tar Heels. <laughs>